Okay. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 48. And in just a moment, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. The title of my message today is Refined by Affliction. And of course, there's not one amen in the group. Say it with me, refined by affliction. Here's what I want to tell you today. Christian, when you disobey God, you sin. And when you sin, God, not might, but God will afflict you. He will discipline you in order to teach you how to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. He will afflict you. He will discipline you. Oh, he'll forgive you. But he will also correct you. He will discipline you to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. Notice what Isaiah says in Isaiah 48, beginning at verse 8. You have not heard, you have not known. Even from long ago, your ear has not been open. Because I knew that you would deal very treacherously. And when you have been called, and you have been called a rebel from birth. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. And for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. Rather, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profane and my glory? I will not give it to another. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first. I'm also the last. Surely my hand founded the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon and his arm will be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken. Indeed, I have called him. I have brought him. Who's the him? I'll tell you about that in a moment. And he will make his way successful. Come near to me. Listen to this. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Who spoke that? You won't believe it. Verse 16, underline that one, highlight it. We'll get there momentarily. Verse 17, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. One of the greatest verses in Isaiah right here. The Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. And then God laments over his sinful children in the last two verses. If only, say that with me. If only, you got any if onlys in your life? If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would be, have been 
like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants, your offspring, would have been like the sand, your offspring like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from my presence. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from thy word. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Let's all say that together. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. Amen. Verse 10, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. When we hear the word affliction, what do you think about? We think about misery. Think about sorrow. We think about pain. Nobody wants to be afflicted. If they're in their right mind, they don't want to be miserable. They don't want to be full of sorrow. They don't want to be full of pain. Yet the Bible says that when you and I, who are children of God, disobey Him, He afflicts us. He disciplines us. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. When God, when you disobey God, He disciplines you. And if you keep on disobeying Him, He will discipline you more severely. He'll take you to the next level. But His affliction and His discipline is a good thing. Because, look at me, you're more like Jesus because of it. Because of His affliction. If the Lord didn't discipline you when you sin, your sin would increase both in intensity and in frequency. You would sin more corruptly and also more frequently. God knows that a spiritual spanking works. And I got news for you, a physical spanking does too. God loves you too much to spare the rod of spiritual discipline. I'm telling you, in our text, God had to discipline His children of Israel. And Christians, when we sin, when you sin, when I sin, God afflicts us. He disciplines us in order to teach us how to become like Christ. Let's talk about refined by affliction. First thing I want to give you. And if you weren't here last week, you're wondering, where are the blanks? <laughs> They're gone forever. Oh, yes. Because when you filled in that last blank, you quit listening. So I'll never let you know when I'm going to quit. And if I even think that you're ready to go, I'll keep preaching, all right? Number one, when God, when does God afflict us? Let me ask you this. Does God afflict His children? Look at verse 8. You have not heard. You have not known. Even from long ago, your ear has not been opened because I knew that you would deal very treacherously and you you have been called a rebel from birth. 
For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath, and for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Isaiah was preaching to a bunch of stiff-necked sinners, the people of Israel. They were idolaters. They worshiped pagan gods. And then they'd come to the temple and say they worshiped the Lord. They're a lot like many people in church today. They worship pagan idols all week long and come to the church on Sunday. They were also involved in immorality. They were unfaithful to God spiritually in idolatry and also morally in immorality. They acted like they knew the Lord, but in reality, they did not. Outwardly, they would call on His name, but inwardly, they disobeyed and ignored Him. So when the Lord's children strayed, when they sinned, He afflicted them. He disciplined them. He spanked them so that they would repent and return to Him. God told His Jewish sons and daughters that they were sinful. They were stubborn. Look at verse 8. You have not heard. You have not known. Even from long ago, your ear has not been opened. They heard the Lord speak, but they refused to obey Him. Their ears and their hearts were not open to obeying God's voice. Now, being omniscient, God knew His people would rebel. He knew that they would sin, and yet He chose the Jewish people anyway. He didn't choose the Israelites because they were good people. He chose them because of His grace and just for His glory in spite of their sin. He said in verse 8, He said, I knew that you would deal very treacherously. He said, I knew that you would be rebels from birth, verse 8, verse 9. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. God's name was stamped upon the people of Israel. And they were giving him a bad name. God said, I restrain my wrath in order not to cut you off. He could have thrown Israel away and started all over. In fact, he tried to several times. He told Moses, just, just get out of the way and I'll wipe them out and start over with you. Moses said, no, Lord, no. And because of his grace and mercy and love, he didn't. But he did refine them. He didn't cast them away, but he did afflict them. He did discipline them in order to refine them. I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Now, some of you love to watch ball games, and some of you love to watch football games, and you, on that first Saturday or whenever it is, Friday night, you see those young men run out on the field, 11 men on offense, 11 men on defense, and all, they're in their pristine uniforms. Just before they've had one play in the game, and they're, all their pants are so white, there's no stains on them from the grass or from the markers or from blood or anything else, you know. They look so nice. 
And you say, oh, doesn't the team look wonderful? But what you don't know is the affliction they had been through for the nine months before that game. You see, their other season ended nine months before that. And in the football game, you, you just have to forget what was last year. If you went 10-1 and one last year, that doesn't mean anything about this year. You've got to forget what lies behind. And so they would forget that. And for nine months, what you don't see when they're running out there and their uniforms are pristine and clean and they look so, oh, they're big and strong and they're fast. But how did they get that way? Winter workouts, weightlifting, conditioning, spring practice, hard hitting, summer workouts, more weightlifting, more conditioning, fall practice, fine-tuning their minds and their bodies. You can't just be strong. You've got to be smart. You've got to know what the plays are. Hours, hundreds of hours of studying plays, blood, sweat, and tears. And they run out and they look like they just showed up that way. Well, isn't this wonderful? No, it didn't just happen. They've been refined. They've been tested in the furnace of affliction. And God says... I'm going to refine my people. Before you look at me, before you get to heaven, God's going to refine you. Because when you walk into heaven, oh, you're already saved. Your sins are already forgiven. But God's going to clean you up. He's going to refine you. He's going to discipline you. And it's not going to be fun. but it's going to be necessary. He will devotedly discipline you. He will affectionately afflict you. He will restoratively refine you. He said, behold, I've refined you, but not as silver. I've tested you, and I will test you, Christian, in the furnace of affliction. When you sin, yes, I'm going to spank you. Yes. You're going to the woodshed of Almighty God. Boy, I'm so tempted to ask, how many of you have ever been to God's woodshed? Because every saved person has. He'll make you miserable to make you mighty. He'll refine you so you'll repent and return. He'll test you so He can teach you Christ-likeness. When, when you sin, Christian. Not maybe, but when you sin, God does afflict you. He does discipline you. Why? To teach you to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. Does God afflict His children? Absolutely. And praise Him that He does. Let's thank God that He spanks us right now. Amen? Amen. 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 That's the first question. Does God afflict us? Yes. If we sin, yes. Secondly, why does God afflict his children? Why? Why is this necessary? And some of you, I wish you could see your face. Your eyes are this big. God afflicts me? I thought just the devil did that. Well, the devil harasses you, but God spanks you for your well-being so that you'll do right. He corrects you with it. Three reasons why he disciplines us. First of all, 
God afflicts his wayward children. His, he disciplines them because of our rebellion, because of our rebellion. God hates, not rebels, but he hates rebellion. He hates it. In fact, God said rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. I'll get to that in a moment. He said in verse 8, you have not heard, you have not known, even from long ago your ear has not been opened because I knew, I knew that you would deal very treacherously and you would, you would have been called a rebel from birth and you have been called a rebel from birth. God said, I knew it. When I, God said, when I created Eve and Adam, when I created them, I knew they would disobey me, but I created them anyway because I loved them. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the whole garden, you may eat freely. God is a good God. Amen. But from the tree, from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. You'll die spiritually. But what happened? You know what happened. Eve and Adam took the forbidden fruit. They ate it anyway. Genesis 3, 6 through 7. Every time I read this, I want to say, stop, stop, stop. Get that fruit out of your mouth. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the eyes. It was delightful to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. Take and eat. Such simple action, such terrible regrets following. She gave also to her husband with her and he ate. You know why? Sin likes company. Sin likes company. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. That's what the devil had said, but he didn't tell them the last part. And they knew that they were naked. And this is so pitiful, they tried to clean their own mess up. Have you ever tried to clean a mess up and made a bigger mess? I'm sure you have. They sewed fig leaves together. Can you even imagine that? And made themselves loin covering. When we sin, we rebel against God. God hates rebellion. He said, King Saul sinned, and the prophet Samuel said to him in 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion it has, is as the sin of divination, literally witchcraft. Insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. It took several years, but eventually Saul would die in battle with his sons. Your sin also affects your children. When a Christian rebels, God disciplines us. Nahum 1.3 the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Amen. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. 
amen belongs there too. In whirlwind and storm is his way, clouds are the dust beneath his feet. I'm telling you, God is a good God. God is a fair God. When you obey God, God will bless you. He'll reward you. He won't just bless you, he'll reward you. But when you and I sin, and I put myself in this as well, when we sin, God afflicts us. He disciplines us. Why? To teach us how to be more like his son and our savior, Jesus Christ. He afflicts, he disciplines his wayward children. One reason is for rebellion. The second reason, there'll be three of them. God afflicts, disciplines his children, his wayward children for our refining, for our refining. Now, every time I think about refining, I think about Jed Clampett and the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, they tried to refine him. It was a hard task. Look at verse 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. The whole picture here is a refining of silver. The removal of the unwanted dross and debris to get the silver out. The fire would melt away all that was not silver, or it would melt the silver and get it out of the dross. It would separate. Fire separates the good from the bad. God said, my discipline is the fire that separates sin from your life. That's why God said, I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. You want to get saved? You want to know the Lord? You want to follow Jesus? Get ready to go into the furnace of affliction. It is not easy to be a Christian. And it's getting less easy every day in the United States of America especially if you believe the Bible is the Word of God, especially if you believe that Jesus is the only way to God, especially if you believe what the Bible says about marriage, especially if what you believe what the Bible says about gender, especially if you believe what the Bible says in all regards. It's hard to be a Christian. It's not easy in this life. But oh, the joy and the peace you have inside. And oh, the joy and peace that's awaiting you on the heavenly shores. This world is not our home. We are to be delightfully different. You will stand out if you're a Christian. At work, at home, at school. God says when you sin, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. I thought about the old hymn that was written. We don't even know who wrote it. 239 years ago. How firm a foundation. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie. My grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross 
to consume and thy gold to refine. God doesn't discipline you. God doesn't afflict you to hurt you. He does it to help you. I can remember my daddy saying, I do this because I love you. I wish he didn't love me so much sometime. Amen. (laughs) But aren't you glad God loves you too much to let you get by with sin? Christian, when you sin, God afflicts you. He disciplines you to teach you how to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, God afflicts. He disciplines his wayward children for our refining. And let me tell you the ultimate reason that God afflicts you when you sin for his glory. For his glory. He will not share his glory with anyone. He is a glorious God. Verse 11, for my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned and my glory I will not give to another? God is glorified when we obey him. God is dishonored when we disobey him. So he afflicts us. He disciplines us when we disobey his commands. In verse 11, God said, if he hadn't disciplined his wayward, sinful children, his glorious name would have been profaned. He said, my glory I will not give to another. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. God is not being egotistical. He's saying, my glory is so intense, I'm the only one that can handle it. If, it. if you tried to take my glory, my glory would burn you up. You'd be gone. How can my name be profaned? My glory, I won't give it. I won't share it with another. God afflicts. He disciplines anyone who tries to take his glory. I want to say this to you, Christian. If God uses you, look at me, give God the glory. If you sing a good song for Jesus, give God the glory. If you win somebody to the Lord, give God the glory. If you do something good, you give something to somebody. If you're generous, give God the glory. If you pray for somebody, give God the glory. Christian, when you sin, God afflicts you. He disciplines you. He does. Why? To teach you how to become Christ-like. Now, how does God afflict us? How does God afflict us? Two ways. First of all, God afflicts and disciplines us redemptively. Verses 12 through 17 are some of the most unique verses in all of Isaiah. Look at verse 12. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel, whom I called, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. God says that he is eternal. I'm from everlasting to everlasting. I'm the alpha, I'm I'm the omega, I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I am the one who is in charge of all that comes in the middle. I'm 
in charge of the beginning. I'm in charge of the end and everything in between. I am God. Then he says in verse 13, Surely my hand founded the earth. My right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the ruler of the universe. This universe did not accidentally happen. It did not happen with random material. We don't know where it came from. And we just started evolving. It took billions of years to do it. No, it took nothing. It took no time. All it took was God saying, let it be done. And it happened. And he created it in six 24-hour days, the entire universe. God spoke about himself in these verses. I'm the first, I'm the last. I am the creator. I am the one you need to worship. Surely my hand founded the earth. My right hand spread out the heavens. Then I call to them and they stand together. And because he sovereignly knows the future as well as he does the past, as well as he does the present, he sovereignly allows things, even sinful things, to happen. He doesn't cause them to happen. He allows them to happen. And he still overrides all of it. And he has his will done. That's the way God works. The Lord knew the future. The Lord knew that he was going to take an old crusty, wicked king from Persia named King Cyrus, King Cyrus II, Cyrus the Great. God's about to talk about him in this text. He said, I'm going to take Cyrus and I'm going to use him to destroy Babylon so that you can go back to Israel. Look at verse 14. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. Loves who? Loves Cyrus. He will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon. He's going to defeat Babylon. His army will. His arm will be against the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans are the Babylonians. I, even I have spoken indeed, God says, I have called him. I've called a pagan man. God can use anybody. I've brought him and he, the Lord, will make his ways, that is Cyrus' ways, successful. I'm going to use him. I'm going to work through a heathen, idolatrous, ungodly king to accomplish my redemptive purpose for my people. And I'm going to get my people back to Israel through Cyrus. But then look at verse 16. I told you to highlight this. Oh, this is one of the most precious verses in all of the book of Isaiah. All of a sudden, everything changes, and a voice from heaven comes out. Can I just go ahead and tell you who I believe it is? I believe it's the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ who speaks in verse 16. It's just like God's so excited about getting Israel, the people of Israel, back to Israel Jesus just comes through there, and he says, come near to me. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come near to me. Listen to this. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Don't tell me the Trinity is not in the Old Testament. Sure it is. This is the Messiah. This is God's servant that we'll see later on. 
in the book of Isaiah. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 17. God the Father speaks again to His people. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. He's speaking redemptively. How does God afflict us? Redemptively. He does it not to hurt you, but to redeem you. God disciplines you to pull you back close to Him. And you can't be close to God if you have unconfessed sin in your life. But if you'll confess it, aren't you glad that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, all of our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise His holy name. But you've got to repent. Christian, when you sin, God afflicts you. He disciplines you to teach you how to become like Christ. Oh, God afflicts us redemptively. But there's one more thing. You can't leave it out. Verses 18 and 19. He does it also regretfully. Now, what do I mean by that? How does God spank you regretfully? Now, look at me. The last two verses I'm going to share with you. Here's what he does. He says, hey, I'm going to bring you back to Israel, but I want you to know I never wanted you to go into captivity. I never wanted you to enter into that sin. I regret what you have done. If only you had listened to me. If only you had done what I said. And that's exactly what he says in the last two verses. He had to discipline his wayward children. And they would not receive everything that he had planned for them. He had better plans for them than to go to Babylon. He blessed them anyway, but not at the level that he could have. Look at verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your well-being would have been like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand. Your offspring like its grains there name would never be cut off or destroyed from my presence. Did you catch that? If only, if only then. Does God forgive you when you sin? Absolutely. Does He wash away all your sins? Yes. But does your sin have an effect on the rest of your life? Of course. Of course. Doesn't mean you can't be forgiven. But it does mean That sin makes you pay more than you want to pay. He disciplines us. And God regrets when we sin. He said, I had more for you. Now, I've got good things for you now that you've repented. I've, I've got good things for you. But only, oh, only if you hadn't done that. I had a lot more. This is one of the few times in the Bible God talks like this. When you sin, God afflicts you. He disciplines you. Why? To teach you to become more like Christ, but He does it regretfully. 
I've told you many times. I have people ask me, do you ever wish you could go back to an earlier part of your life? I hear people ask that sometimes. Oh, no, no, no. I'm fine, I'm fine. I, oh, I would love to go back to a fall night in the 10th grade when I was out with some other boys and I had never tasted any kind of alcohol. And a senior was driving and a junior was riding and I'm the little sophomore in the back. And they popped a can of beer and handed it to me. And when I drank that, I opened up Pandora's box in my life. I've got four years that I can never get back. Am I going to heaven? Yes. Has God forgiven me? Yes. But don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't you tell me that we won't have regrets. But I'm so grateful that when I look back on it now, the blood of Jesus cleanses and covers all of my sin. Amen. But still, <laughs> but still, I wish I could jump in the back car, back seat of that car, and look at my 10th grade self. I'd slap me. <laughs> Physically, I'd say, boy, put that down. It's not far from your house. Get out of this car and walk home. But I can't. I'm grateful that God spanks us, aren't you? He disciplines us to teach us how to be more like Jesus. Behold, I have refined you. But not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And I can tell you, Christian, if you're flirting with sin, repent so you will not go through the furnace of affliction.